Praise God. So we're talking about the church that fears the Lord. The church that fears the Lord. You know, it's so good to keep everything in its proper order in life. You know, God uh, created us with purpose, uh, with dignity. He crowned us with glory and honor. Uh, he, man was crowned with the blessing of God's presence uh, when he was first created. He was given instructions uh, from God and the ability to carry those out. And uh, we lost ability uh, in the fall through disobedience. But God never left us in that fallen state. He always, he immediately made a way back for us. And that is through the sacrifice of his, of his son, the shed blood of Jesus. Uh, the sacrifice of Jesus Christ is the way back uh, into God's full purpose for our lives. And so uh, our daily walk really is a challenge more to stay. I'm, I, I don't think it's so much to find out what God wants you to do, but make contact with him. See, if you can make contact with the living God on a regular basis, then everything else follows and flows from that. So the church that fears the Lord really is a worshiping church. It's a church that worships God. One of the great things, uh, revelations that we received uh, in this, well, the past century, I guess we've, since the year 2000 we've entered another hundred years but the past century much of it had to do with how to contact the living God starting with the baptism in the Holy Spirit you know at the turn of the century the Azusa Street Revival all the revivals uh, have had outpourings of God's presence and his spirit but this last one seemed to have a lot more information uh, for the believer to enter into a personal relationship with God and so it was that knowledge that we could go to God and worship him in spirit and in truth and worship him as spirit-filled people and have a living, tangible contact with God whenever we desired. That was uh, one of the extraordinary truths that came out of that movement. It wasn't so much that you could pray in tongues and have a gift you know, to show people who you were. But that gift is exercised to get you into the presence of God so that you can have your own personal relationship with him. Because once people receive something personally, that thing lasts forever and will work in your life for a long time. If you'll understand what it's about. So much of religious thought and thinking has, has to do with keeping certain people out and keeping others in you know it's kind of an inclusive exclusive thing that uh, if you look at it you know there's no difference between religion and a social club or or any other type of organization that seeks to you know control people by putting some in and leaving some out but with with the the move of the spirit of god it's an inclusive to whosoever will See, it's open to everybody. And once you understand God and you have a personal relationship with him, nobody can take that away from you. Okay? That's one relationship you'll keep even if it's abused or misused or neglected. You know, if you neglect your marriage, that spouse might get sick of that and move on. You neglect your children. 
the government will come and, and, you know, put up standards. If you can't meet those standards, you know, you're subject to lose that. But your relationship with God is the only one you'll never lose. So when you come into that, that's got to be the most important relationship in your life is when you have personal contact with the living God. And that's why this past century was so important in the church is that it included everybody. Everybody was invited in. Everybody could be bored again. <laughs> Excuse me. We began to understand salvation. We began to understand personal testimony. We began to understand, thank you, conversion. All of those things we got a greater understanding of in the the clubby club atmosphere of churches. Religion. I belong here. I go there. I'm a this. I'm a that. You know, I'm a this denomination. Lifting up denominations. And making that so all important kind of fell by the wayside. So those things that are not based on the word and not true will fall in the face of God-given truth. So your relationship with God is the most precious uh, relationship that you will ever have. And so the church that fears God understands and values that personal relationship values that daily contact living contact with the living God to the degree that everything that that the church say your congregational worship then is centered around helping that personal relationship see it's got to be centered around that or there's something out of balance or something out of whack so in other words the church should never take the place of your personal relationship and they should work hand in hand so your personal relationship which should never dictate that you not assemble yourselves together because God called them both and trust me you need them both if you're going to go anywhere in God you need to have the contact in in the congregation uh, under ministry gifts that are ordained and anointed by God to to service his people and service people and also you need the the private worship and, and the relationship with God. So we understand that, that when you're born again, the Holy Spirit dwells in you and helps you develop your spirit in the image of God once again. And everything that we are doing is to conform to that image, the, the image of Christ, not the image of your denomination or the image of the people in your church but to conform to the image of Christ. It's kind of interesting. I was uh, talking to someone that that, uh, goes to a a, a church here in the city, a large church, and at the time they started, uh, the uh, uh, gentleman who is a senior pastor, he's moved on now and is... is, uh, founding other churches and and he's left his son in charge of the church now it's it's easy when you have that shift or have that you know uh um uh, you know when when it changes like that you one departs and another one comes in you often will see a shift in the complexion of the congregation so this person is like middle-aged and she was saying how everybody's so young 
Well, it's because they're following after. You know, people tend to do that. They follow after one thing or another. And I guess that church was uh, was so uh, geared toward who that the founder was that when he left, it just kind of scattered. Now it's being infused with people who were searching after somebody just like them, so to speak. And so she was saying how... Uh, she's one of the older people there in the congregation now, you know, so that shift has taken place. Well, it's 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 a common thing for people to identify with their place of worship in a certain way. See, as long as the founder was there, that had a certain image and a certain reflection for people. And now that that's changed, the image changes. And so then the people who want to conform to that image will change as well. So, you know, you'll see things like that happen uh, where congregations really should be fairly stable no matter who's there if, they're, if it's stressed that they have relationship with God. See, it won't won't matter who the pastor is as long as you're there for the word and you understand uh, that your relationship with God is not changed because of the change in the leadership. But if that image and that focus is not there, then you will see these kinds of changes. They're more like... Um, I would I would say preference changes more soul you know more uh, kind of uh, catering to a person's soul and their flesh rather than their spirit and so ministers have to be careful that they are they are teaching people to uh, develop that connection with God more than they are with the building, the name, the institution, what it means in the city, etc., etc., because often the relationship with God will become secondary to I belong to this church, and so and so is my bishop, and so and so is my pastor, and, and that image that's put forth there becomes the focus of that congregation rather than we are taught to do this or we are taught to do that or I grow in my relationship with God because of that, you know, so forth and so on. Having a more personal contact with God is the focus rather than our name and who we are, and you know, what we mean in the city and so forth and so on because that is subject to change. That's very much subject to change. In fact, you'll see oftentimes churches will start to lose their grip as another church a new church comes into existence that has that same type of reflection in people's minds you'll see the old guard kind of having to roll over and let the new people take over because now they are the place to go in the city or they are the place to want to be in the city rather than focusing on God your relationship with God and so when those things are are prominent it's easy to lose focus on you know what I've been here for 20 years and I just come and I don't you know I haven't seen any progress in my home and I haven't seen any anybody in my family get saved you know so forth and so on that that gets to be a common story and so the church that fears the Lord is one that will focus on relationship with God first and foremost that that uh desire and there's a high level when a church focuses on the fear of the lord and relationship with god there is a high level of respect for god a high level of respect very high level of respect that's got to be prominent 
And if God is respected, you know, and I'm not talking about a bunch of goofy do don't do this do, do this kind of stuff, but when people understand the the power of God and He's given uh, prominence in the meetings. You know, worship is is good, and, and worship is participated in by everybody. You know, people aren't wandering around and still talking, and you know that kind of stuff. I'm talking about that level of respect for His presence. And when His presence is there, we're to cooperate with what His presence is telling us to do at that time. See, you, it's you don't have to go run off and answer a phone, or you know. I, I was thinking about a, a church that I used to watch. They would come on television sometime. And the pastor had a phone sitting there at the altar, and he would talk on the phone during the service periodically. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. If you go over to his church now, it's still sitting there. Sure. Absolutely. And so it's it's very easy to lose that respect. You got me? To lose that's why a lot of times I know we have office work and stuff, but I'll tell look, come out of there, church is started. You got me? We would have our Sunday services, no bubbling conversation before you worship God. Come on now, you're here to worship God. You talk to somebody anytime. You know, you do that on your dime. But there's a time for everything, see, and in, in, in this respect for God is something that's highly appropriate if you're going to learn from him if you don't respect him he won't have much time for you he won't have much time for you if you don't have respect for him when we preach the word especially that's a time when everybody needs to be focused on the word you know you don't need to be buzzing and, and whispering to somebody and twisting and turning around and seeing who made noise and all that kind of stuff you know that's one way the devil robs from people and so the church that fears the lord will will demand that high level of respect you know now i'm not stand up for the reading of the word come on now you know you you can sit down and hear the word too i don't consider that more or less respectful but sometimes people feel they have to do that in order to show people that God's word needs attention. You know, I, I, I don't fault them for that. But there is a place where you can comfortably sit. And as long as your attention is given to the word, you, you're attentive to it, you're paying attention to it. Because that is God speaking to us, you know, in one form. And so <clears throat> these things are very important that we understand to keep that high level of respect don't ever get casual about god he's not your buddy you know he's god all the time and i think if we keep that you know it's like with a parent you know when you talk to your parents there's only so far you need to go in the conversation because then it, you lose they you know they they don't like that and they'll pull you right back over into that place of respect so it's good to keep that high level of respect for god and the things that pertain to god you know and i'm not saying you can't you know sit comfortably or you know you gotta you know like we all started out with the the rigid pews the wood pews and then the the little uh those little uh what do you call it the things that we used to kneel on yeah right yep them things and have to keep your back real straight and suffer 
you know, so that we can know you you respect God. But there has to be a a respect and an understanding that God is to be revered. It's got to be there. It's not a casual God. He's not God in your pocket. He's got to be revered. So Proverbs sixteen six it says, By mercy and truth, iniquity is purged. Iniquity is purged that way. By mercy and truth. And by the fear of the Lord, men depart from evil. You respect God, you'll be ashamed of certain things that you would think or certain things that you might say or do. You know, you, you, you want to depart from evil and and so that holiness factor is something that is is uh paramount when you respect God and you recognize that He's holy. And part of that holiness means that He cannot be blamed for anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So there's no fault in him. There's he doesn't have any problems. He doesn't have any flaws. There's nothing wrong with him. So he can't be blamed for anything. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, people say things. Well, I'm mad at God. No, you're just mad. Period. You know, you'd be mad at your brother, your sister. You. you so like Jesus told Martha, he said, "You're upset about a lot of stuff, Martha. It ain't just your sister be mad at. You couldn't be mad at her for coming and listening to the word. You just got problems." <laughs> so, it seems easy to say God failed you or He didn't provide or something like that but that's not true at all God has always been there it's just that we didn't quite know how to get to him but I think if we will speak with him and and make that request known then we'll find that he is very very present there to help us and to to provide whatever it is that we think he stole from us or didn't tell us about in time so we could do this or do that you know we have all kinds of ways to try and, and indict God and it says also when a man's ways please the Lord. So there's a pleasing of God that flows out of that respect. Somebody that you respect, you'll want, you want to measure up to their standards so that they can approve of you. So he says when, when your, our ways please him, he even makes our enemies to be at peace with us. So you know, even though they may not like what you do, or they might not like your talking about the Lord so much, or got to do this so much, they will be at peace with you. They won't be stirring you up and striving with you and that kind of thing. It says also better is a little with righteousness than great revenues without that. See? And that's because God <clears throat> is more concerned with our inner than our outer. I tell you, any day of the week, I don't care how much we've believed in giving and receiving and tithing and all that kind of stuff and naming the seed and all of that, it's much better to have peace with God than all of the material. So you can't get the, the, the cart in front of the horse. It won't run that way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
says a man's heart deviseth his way but the Lord directs his steps the Lord directs his steps so God <coughs> eventually will be able to lead the righteous in the righteous way you know, your, your heart can conceive of the things that you desire from God but God always directs your steps so you can't really launch out on your own in an attempt to receive what God has for you you have to obey him in order to get there the steps of the good man are ordered by the Lord and he delights in your way so you have to do it the way that God delights you can't do it any other way many times we get impatient you ever notice you've been saying for a long time you can't wait for something you can't you still waiting and you haven't gone anywhere huh <laughs> you still still there parents you know young people can't wait to get grown so they can do what they want parents can't wait for the kids to grow up so they can get that bedroom back and make a comfortable office out of it huh <laughs> it was funny there was a commercial where as a couple they were saying goodbye to their child going to school and the mother was like with a hanky in front of and hugged them and said is he gone yet and they went start measuring his bedroom <laughs> <laughs> yeah so i mean you know many things we can't wait for but it doesn't kill us to wait you think waiting is painful but and there are some things you need to wait for because if it's something that is will make a major impact in your life you need to have the certainty in God that that you're moving in his timing you know in the right time so easy for us to get disappointed when we move too quickly uh, in in anxiety or fear or you know the devil always pressures you you know God will never put pressure on you to do anything he will lead you and guide you he'll give you understanding he'll give you peace about it he'll let you be led you know it, <clears throat> he has more respect for us than to just push us around like that why because we're made in his image he knows how we work and he doesn't have to push us to do now the devil will push you he'll put pressure on you he'll keep calling you up and bugging you and why don't you do this and when are you going to do that and i thought you were my friend and all this kind of nonsense huh it's the truth that's the devil that's not god nobody god sends into your life is going to do that to you huh now they may step over the line but they'll shut up and repent and understand oh i'm sorry i you know i just got a little carried away or something you know, as long as you're willing to correct their steps but you don't want anything in your life that you can't say no to you can say no to god huh no nothing or nobody that you can't say no to because God gives us the ability to decide you have to make decisions about these things you know even people when they know God's told them something they can't make you do it you know that that should never be an excuse for for pushing people 
or self-promotion in some way. Now it gets exhausting sometimes. You know the person that can hear from God will look at you and see what you need to do. And you slow about doing this. Oh, I'm about sick of them. Why don't they do something? Anything. I don't care. <laughs> Shoot me. <laughs> Change it or kill me. <laughs> but you know, you know what I'm saying. You get frustrated sometimes when you when you see that. But even that, the the person that hears from God should respect that God has to tell you, and then you have to decide. See that that has to be something that has to be received on the inside of you, so that you can do it with your own faith and your own will, and all that kind of stuff has to be involved in it. So we can't violate one another's wills. We can't manipulate one another's wills and we can't weaken one another's wills and please God you know it's just not right so you know we're not puppets down here so and there should not be anything that you desire so much that you'll use those tactics on people to receive them so they all have to respect that about one another so God's good that way it's given honor to God in a way God, you created that person. They don't belong to me. They're not mine. They don't have to do what I say. They don't have to be what I want them. They don't have to please me. Because who am I? Where did I get my standards from? You know, you got them from who knows where. So we, we don't have the right to cross that line in anybody's life. So second uh first chronicles sixteen twenty five is this for great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He also is to be feared above all gods, above all of them, above Baptist, above Protestants, above Catholic. He's to be feared above all those gods, man. That's why many times you'll see people who are stuck in denominationalism come out because they found there's a strong somebody stronger than their strong man that's got involved in their life, huh? You thought that religious God was strong. But then God, the real God, will just bust in on all of that and start revealing truth to them. When they desire to be, it says, for all the gods of the people are idols. But the Lord made the heavens. He created everything. So those of you, they can't do anything. They're wood and stone. They can't talk. They can't move. They can't do anything. So he is the creator. The creator is the one to fear. Because if he put all that stuff together, then he can certainly tear it apart. He can do anything he wants to do. But Buddha, you know, all you can do is sit and look at that thing, maybe rub his belly for good luck or whatever they do. And There's no other God can they say is alive. No other one. You know, you see people will say, well, uh, they have a right to believe. Well, sure they do. But what do you what do they want out of life? Do they want to obey a statue? Do they want to talk to a statue or do they want to talk to God for real? Do they want to know the real, true and living God? Most people want to know the real, true and living God once they know the truth about him. That's that's the church's responsibility is to preach the truth about the living God. Other gods that are that are are idols can be uh, concepts. You know, we can idolize different ideas. Sometimes people get they'll idolize political ideas. 
You know, you'll see them be able to talk for hours about their politics, but then when it comes to witnessing, they can't find the words, <laughs> stutter. So they're they're involved in some form of idolatry there, you know, and don't realize it because it they're speaking with a a uh, a certain spiritual force and interest. See, it's what you're interested in is the important aspect of it so you have to be careful you know when you when you have little hobbies and side things that you like or you get interested in especially if they're like religion and politics and religion are so closely related you know they're really the same devil it's just he puts on one cloak when he deals in the church and he puts another cloak on when he deals in the world but they're full of ideas ideologies they're full of um, standards, you know, things that they uh, believe and so forth and so on. And so, you know, if you're a Christian, you have to kind of get yourself away from that and, and get yourself back over into the spirit of God and, you know, repent, renounce this and that. Now, we get involved to a degree because we have to pray for certain things. But trust me, when the prayer is done, you know, your interest should disconnect from that. And you have to follow certain things because you have to follow the flow of the prayer, you know. And uh, I I followed politics in Oakland County for the years we prayed against Jack Kervorkian. But when I was done with it, when you know, I was done with that nonsense when when he got out of there. And so we we have to be careful that we don't pick that up as a way to resolve things, you know, as Christians. You know, that's you only get one vote, so that. But your prayer can can affect thousands. You got me. So you got more power in your prayer than you'll ever have on a on a natural level. You know, let the people who are called to that listen to God and obey their part in it. But you don't get involved in that because that will become an idol after a while. You you know you find yourself you know instead of glorifying God, you get around God's people want to tell them who to vote for all the time. That gets to be really offensive so you don't want to cross that line with people's will and with their desire to make a right decision you know they 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 have a right to believe and church is not the place for that it's a place to glorify god so we all have to watch our our idolatry sometimes people that want certain things certain things you're praying for you know the standards Write the vision, make it plain. So you cut a picture out of it and put it up somewhere. And then pretty soon that's all you want to talk about, you know. So you have to be careful with images and things like that because you, you want what God has for you. More often than not, what he has for us is a picture on the inside of us instead of one on the outside. So it's something you carry in your heart. And not so much a, an image that you've, a facsimile, I put it that way. <laughs> it's a facsimile of what he has for you. Because it's seldom that thing that, you, that you've that you cut out and pasted up, so forth and so on. In Jonah <clears throat> chapter 1, I think this is a part sometimes that, uh, that we forget uh, as believers. <clears throat> Is the element of sacrifice that's involved in worship. Jonah hiding from me. Here he is. 
Jonah chapter 1, verse 16, it says, Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice unto the Lord and made vows. Now this is a common, a common thing. It's very common. The church, though, I would say it's more common for unbelievers. Now these men were the men who were in charge of the boat, and they didn't serve Jonah's God. But they had a sense that God was at work in the midst of them. Because when Jonah got on the boat, every, everything was cool till he got on there. And they were, you know, set sail and all of a sudden the sea got contrary, so forth and so on. And people believed, and, and it wasn't superstition all of the time. You know, sometimes it was. But they knew that if things changed that rapidly, that something must have happened to offend God. Something must have happened. And so they began to uh, check everybody on the boat. You know, on a ship you can get people with different languages, different places they come from. Where are you from? Who God do you serve? Who do you, you know, if you serve him, call on him and appease him so that he's not angry at us and we can, we can survive. So that's really what this conversation was about. And he says, The men feared the Lord exceedingly, offered a sacrifice, and made vows. Now how many people have been in that position? When something bad happens, God, if you get me out of this, I will quit smoking, I'll quit drinking, I'll quit doing everything. That's the sacrifice. What you're going to stop doing is your sacrifice. And the, your vow is, and I'm gonna go to church every. I'm gonna go start going to church like I'm supposed to. Huh? But the elements, the elements there, are legitimate to carry over into your walk with God. See, that's not just a heathen concept. That is a con. You see it played out dramatically. With somebody who really is say not born again have a relationship. But we should be even more so attentive to the need to make the sacrifice. And the need to make the offering. And the need to make the vow. How many of us don't want to commit to anything? Uh, you see when we have things to do in church. There's always I don't care how large or small your group is. There's some people who will get involved in everything. They don't care what. You tell me what to do. I'll do it. And there's some people sit back. and It's just true. Because the element of sacrifice is missing. See. In their worship. It's a lost concept. We have a a habit in Christianity to feel, well, Jesus paid the sacrifice. He's my sacrifice. He's my this. Well, what are you going to do to to try and match that? I mean, why should he do everything and we get a free ride? That's not what this Christian walk is really about. Because the Bible says that there's nobody who's given up everything but won't receive in greater measure with persecution. Huh? And so when he talks about, and Jesus told people, he said, deny yourself. 
and take up your cross and follow me. So the element of sacrifice, self-denial, all those things runs throughout Christianity. It runs through all religions, but Christianity is no exception. You see the Buddhist, the you know the Hindu that lays on a bed of nails, and you know all this kind of stuff, because there's this concept that I am worthless and I am not worth anything, and somebody's got to pay for my worthlessness. Got me? Well, when Jesus graciously paid for our worthlessness, then there must be an element of we owe him. What do you do in return for that when somebody's done all of that for you? And see, that gets lost in Christianity. I'll tell you why it gets lost, because nobody says that anymore. See, if we say that, then we're not faith people. And if we say that, then we're not, you understand what I'm saying? Everybody gives out of their excess instead of out of their need. Hmm? It's true. One of the biggest miracles in A.A. Allen's ministry came because a woman gave a sacrifice. She gave the last, she had enough money to buy gas to get home. And the last night of the service, that baby was still sick and she gave everything. It works every time. It works every time. It puts you into a whole different realm of living for God. Brother Sumrall had a teacher. Remember the teacher kept signing over her paycheck and putting it in the offering. They kept bugging her. We only want a tenth. Remember the legalists don't know God. Claim to be telling you and helping you to know God. They don't know him as well as you do. Go make her take her money back. Because they're scared they'll get in trouble if she can't pay her bills. So she finally told him to leave her alone. She did. Brother Summerall kept calling her. She said, why don't you guys leave me alone? She said, I have more than I've ever had in my life. If you could, could trade places with me, you would. I've got, I have a better relationship with God. God takes care of me like he never. She had tapped into something that the majority of the tithers and the, you know, the good givers in the church, they had no clue that this whole place in God existed because they're giving out of their excess and not out of their need you got the difference when you give out of your need God I need you I think I'm full but I'm really hungry I think I've got everything but I really don't huh? I think I've got it all under control but I'm really empty on the inside I really need so much of you it's pathetic to even talk about how do I get more see if you get hard down serious with God and quit playing the religious games I'm talking about the fear of the Lord here folks the real fear of the Lord now there's nothing wrong with doing our usual routine it's nothing wrong with good habits in God it's nothing wrong with being a tither and giving offerings beside and being faithful in that but I'm telling you there's a depth of relationship in God that the sacrifice will take you to that nothing else will take you to huh? that'll take you to a place that you didn't even think existed that blow your mind to try and stay there so it's a place where you visit you understand what I'm saying it's a place where you visit and then you keep going. You keep going. But it it deepens 
your understanding of who he is. You pay, make your vow. God, I, I want to serve you in a greater way. Open this door for me. And I won't tell anybody no. I won't turn anybody down. I'll, I'll stay consistent with this. I'll, I'll take it to the next level in you if you'll open this door for me. You got me? And so if we'll, if we'll understand the power of the sacrifice to get that door open for us and to get us to that place where we need to be. <clears throat> Sometimes people, you know, especially people who have ministries like working with the poor, you know, they'll they'll sometimes want to do something else, you know, or they'll think that's where you start, you know. Well, we we started this and we got a better place and we moved. That's the, the typical story of how churches lose <laughs> lose their footing in God. You know, they start the, the the ministers used to tell a story about the church where the poor people go. Has no carpet on the floor. It's you know just a, a empty building, an empty shell. And then when they get carpet, they quit ministering to the people. You know everything gets formal. They get a bigger building, move out of the neighborhood, and they lose the people. That kind of stuff. And so it's true with many of the things that we do for God. You know, when church gets involved in feeding people, you know, who are hungry, and you know, it takes a little time to develop rapport with people where they trust you you know and then all of a sudden you know well we we can't find anybody wants to go and do that anymore see should never do that as a just an impact statement but that should be something that the church does forever you know god will have to raise somebody else up to do it next you see and the people go without and so god never wants his people to have any kind of lack, he doesn't care who they are. And he doesn't want people hungry, whether they serve him or not. He just wants to take care of people. And so <clears throat> many times we we kind of elevate ourselves beyond the place where we're, we're necessary or we're helpful in, in that kind of thing. And so we have to watch that. Many of the mega churches don't take care of the poor even in their congregation. They don't want them in there. And they'll say as much. No, I've heard them say, you know, if you're not a tither, we don't consider you to be a member of this church. We, you know, I mean, it's just horrible. Some of the things that have been said in the name of the Lord where there's no fear of God there. How could they say that to people and they're handling millions of dollars of God's money and don't want any poor people in the congregation? They, they, they don't have anything there. To serve people, it's nothing. Mm-hmm. And it, but yet, they're teaching them how to prosper. Well, I can tell you one thing: God's not going to give you much. You can tell them they 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 are on the road to prosperity all you want to. God's not going to bless them if he, they don't have pity on the poor. The Bible says that when you do that, that's the key to you you having yourself. You lend to Him, and He'll repay you. That's how you get in God get God in your debt. And so these things are very important for the church that fears God. You know, you, you, there are certain things you don't do in respect to your father that, that you know that are on his heart. Brother Sumrall said that when he was 80 years old, God told him to start this program to feed the hungry. And he argued with God about it. He said, do you know how old I am? Yeah. 
<laughs> God said, yeah, you're just old enough for me to be able to trust you now. Huh? And he kept pressing God, well, why me? Give it to some of these. And he started naming some people, men that were younger than him. They're, they're, God, they love you, and they've got a good church, and they can do this. God said, I went to all of them. And I gave it to them already. They stole the money. You got me? When God gives you something to do, it's because you're the best qualified person to do it. You've got to understand that. You're the best qualified to do. <clears throat> and you need to respect that. And not try and take advantage of it and not try to play it cheap and not try to overblow it. But you need to respect that. Because he calls who he, he evaluates everything. And he makes the call. So the men feared God and offered the sacrifice to him and made vows. Sacrifice and vows go together. It's usually a sacrifice for you to be able to keep your word. See? If you tell God, God, if you if you will use me, give me this to do or that to do in the church, you know, I'll you know. I'll do it. I'll be faithful with it. It's going to be a sacrifice for you to keep your vow. It's going to it's going to come at a time you're going to have to do something for God at a time that won't be so convenient for you. You have to put something else aside that you may want to do very badly. Huh? So the sacrifice is always there. Deny yourself and follow me. Nobody follows Jesus in the flesh. It's always denying your flesh what it desires. The flesh wants to be known and given credit for everything. Wants to be seen. Wants to be acknowledged. All that kind of stuff. You can't indulge your flesh in that. So it's a self-denial. Whenever you deny yourself, that means being obedient to God. No matter what it makes you look like, you know, you gotta. Oftentimes, we have to humble ourselves, and if you want to witness to people, ugh, swallow hard, spit it out, because here the devil is again trying to intimidate you and tell you, you know, just keep going. They don't want it. They don't want it. They don't want to hear. <laughs> and so, it, it that's a form of self-denial when you just humble yourself and. Ask them, you know, do they know the Lord and all that kind of stuff. It's it's very, very humbling. Very humbling. So you, you have to know that. You know, I, <clears throat> sometimes if, if I'm talking to somebody and they'll do something or something works out, I say, praise the Lord. Then I say, can I say praise it okay for me to say praise the Lord here? You know, it's like, and instead of the religious, praise the Lord, you know, real nasty and bitey with it and taking your head off like, they're going to force him on you, you know. You just there's a way in wisdom to do everything, you know. And oftentimes people say, "Oh yeah, I praise the Lord all." No, you can say that. Well, honey, if I didn't, I wouldn't have this job. Blah, and they want to talk to you about the Lord and share your testimony, all that kind of stuff. Opens up a door, you know, if you humble yourself. You know, sometimes you know you go to somebody and they're. How are you? Blessed and highly favored. Oh, boy. You want to get into that conversation. 
said, okay, just pack my stuff. I'm on my way out. That closes the door totally. You know, it's just <laughs> self-denial. Self-denial. Got to deny yourself. You let him be center stage. Let God be glorified. Let him Him have his way. And, uh, and he'll bless you. You know, pay your vows. Do what you promised God that you're going to do. And uh, don't have anything else that's conflicting with that. Be consistent. He'll be consistent with you. So when the church fears the Lord, they'll they'll do these things. And I noticed that uh, some of the mega churches now they compel the members to do some kind of community project. Uh, <clears throat> and it's it's sad. It has to be done in such a religious fashion. You know. And, and uh, let me tell you the difference. Now, if you you have a church, you got all these members. You're supposed to be doing something for God, and all they do is come. It's because that's all they've ever done. So if you if you had gotten them involved in the community when it was a handful of people, and you let them stay involved, and let people who had ministry, heart for ministry, come share their ideas, and you let them do their ministry from there, you wouldn't have to compel people. You know, I'll contrast that with. A place like uh, the Dream Center that has like 150 different ministries in that place. Because they open their hearts to God and let God put it together. And they found there's tons of people out there wanting to do ministry. But they don't have the encouragement. They don't have the resources. They don't have. So they said, "You just come in here, and we whatever we've got. You need some space. We we got so much renovated. Pray for the rest of it, and we'll let you have your meeting here. We'll send you people out there. We'll you know all that dormitories, whatever, to make an impact. Doesn't take forever, and it doesn't take one person having to control everything." They can just have a heart that's open to obey God and find that there's tons of people out there. They found all kinds of street evangelists with no churches to bring their their converts to. So they just opened it up and said, well, if you want to bring them here, bring them here. Our services are so-and-so. If you need to have a service at a different time, we'll find a spot for you. We'll work with you. We'll help you. We're all serving the same God, fighting the same devil. So let's end end. The ones that have the impact are the ones that go out and make disciples. See, it's that converting that person, witnessing Christ, getting them born again, getting them into church, that kind of life-changing thing. Versus a church that says, well, what we're going to do now is just go down to, you know, so-and-so and pass out a little food. And everybody's scared to talk to somebody because they don't. They're not called to do that. They're just a bunch of Not that there's anything wrong with feeding people and passing out bread or whatever it is that, that you do to reach them. But there is a place where there's a one-on-one that's necessary, where that person needs to know that they're called to the ministry and they're comfortable sharing Christ and praying for people and understanding enough of the gospel to share what God can do with them as a result of the prayer, all that kind of stuff. That's all necessary. You won't get that if you just compel people to go do something in the community because you're Christians. See, one's a religious step by step and the other thing comes out of the heart. Many of these people prayed for years that 
they would have a place where they can bring you know people who haven't bathed and don't bathe on a regular basis and they can come in and sit in a church service and and have hands laid on them and somebody weep with them at the altar and pray for them and everything like that you're not going to get a lot of that unless the church understands that's her role and she can open up her heart to people on a one-on-one and so these are the things that distinguish the church that fears God from, say, a religious institution or one that maybe loves God to a degree but won't give her heart totally over to the Lord. That element of sacrifice is very, very, very much important there. Malachi 3.16 says, Then they feared the Lord, spake often one to another, and the Lord hearkened and heard it, and a book of remembrance was written before him for them that feared the Lord and that thought upon his name. Fearing the Lord means to have your mind given over to the things of God. When you fear God, you think about him. You think about what what pleases him, what his word says, what you, what what do you want me to do here, God? I'm, you know, I want to. I sense that I want to do this and I want to do that, but but you think on him. Your meditation is about God and and what he thinks about you and what he thinks about what you're about to do, where you're at in your life, God. I've walked with you X number of years, and this is how far I've gotten. Is it you know? Give me a vision for the rest of it, so that we can move on into greater things. You know, don't just be right there. He's a living, breathing God, and he's he says his thoughts are good for you all the time. You don't have to be afraid of what he's going to tell you. He wants you to do what he expects out of you, and and what kind of work he he's put upon you to do. So you don't have to be afraid of any of that. So when you, with a church that fears God, thinks about him from the time you start the service to even after the service is over. God's in your conversation. He's guiding your words and all that. So you, you have him close and you have him near to you. Second Chronicles. Sorry, I'm jumping all over the place, but... We are going to get there. Second Chronicles. I think it's chapter 20. We'll start in verse 3. And Jehoshaphat feared... And set himself to seek the Lord. The church that fears God seeks God in all things. They don't have like a set program that they follow. <clears throat> you know, unless it's let's let God do what he wants to do. Uh, <laughs> the old set program. Sometimes it's easy to find the answer. It just flows. And sometimes it's a little more challenging, you know, to find that flow where God wants us to be and so if we will seek him and you know the the ministers should seek God for the message you know the worshipers should seek God in the worship you know to release themselves to him to to let the worship build up their spirit so that when the worship's over <clears throat> they still have a heart open to hear the word you know the the worship has prepared their hearts 
to hear the word of God. It says he feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. Woo! That's a big fast, y'all. <laughs> I usually make a deal with folks. Just turn the plate down from sundown to next morning so we can pray. Huh? <laughs> More importantly is to people to withdraw themselves from their normal routine. See, that's that's what the fast is. And and there will be times and I think when you do that, your appetite automatically diminishes. Like I wouldn't be nearly hungry as nearly as hungry as I am if I didn't watch so much food network. Them people have food walking, coming and going and leaving. And Paula Dean putting butter on that. Now, nah, we just need a little bit of butter, y'all. I say, yeah, give us a little bit of butter, Paula. Huh? And, and <clears throat> you know, so just withdrawing yourself to be in the presence of God or withdrawing yourself from things that would cause your mind to kind of wander and jump from one thing to another will often diminish your appetite on its own. man. Now, I think it's good to call a fast for people, you know, because there is a time where you need to, to let people know that it's good to sanctify yourself for the work of the Lord. I'm totally believing in that. I don't believe you you can be out kicking it Friday night and then hung over or you know whatever drags in and then come in and worship God. I just don't think that's you know get the most out of it. Not that you know it's not about God not liking you. You know, cut that out. But these things prepare our hearts to receive what God has for us. So we've always had the rule before the empowerment meeting is the night before you don't eat anything after sundown and and sanctify that fast. That's why we have breakfast the next morning. We assume you ain't been eating all night and definitely not been out drinking or anything or kicking it or partying or anything else. Go home, you know, go home after work and get a good night's sleep and set yourself apart so that when you when you have that all day teaching you'll be able to receive what God has for you so he proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah when you when you respect God you'll know that there's a place where you withdraw from the the world you turn the TV off and and you know shut things down so that you can get quiet before the Lord, so that he can speak to you. So if there's anything that that is lacking, he can provide that for you. Because, you know, you fear God. You understand what he needs. He says, and Jehoshaphat feared. Hmm? He feared God. It's, you know, in verse 4, Judah gathered themselves together to ask help of the Lord. So it's a good thing to get focused before you pray. If you can stay focused and you can get <clears throat> get that world thing off of you, you know, being distracted. They, people poured in to seek the Lord. It says out of all the cities in Judah, they came to seek the Lord. So it's a good thing. It's a good thing to, to sanctify yourself, set yourself apart in a good way. You know, now if you're going to sit there and stare at the hamburger 
and wonder when the time is going to be over. I just go and pray now. Eat this burger and get this over with. You know? Well, go and do it. I don't care. Talking about people that fear the Lord. I ain't talking about all that. You know, God is not a burger attitude. You know that. <laughs> the reason that we gather together and, and, and fast and pray and seek the Lord is because Christ is the head of the church. You know, I mean, he calls the shots here. And so when you fear God, you'll you'll seek him for direction. You'll pray. You'll make prayer a very important and foundational part of what you do. You need direction in the service. You need direction uh, uh, for the work that you're called to do to impact the neighborhood, the community, the city, and the country that you live in, and the world. So this is a big job, and that's why you, you need to set yourself apart to seek him. Isaiah 8.13 tells us to when you fear the Lord, you will sanctify him or make him holy. We've been talking about that, the respect and reverence we have uh, for God. It's very, very important <coughs> to keep him in an exalted and a holy place and not to be casual about God. It says, sanctify the Lord of hosts himself and let him be your fear and let him be your dread. And he will be for a sanctuary for you. In other words, if you fear and reverence God, he'll be a place of refuge for you. He says, but he will be for a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense to the ones that, that don't. You don't fear him. And that's why a lot of times when you talk about God, you get these mixed reactions. You get negative reactions for sinners because they don't have respect and make him holy and set him apart. They don't have the proper um, attitude toward God. And so they don't want to have anything to do with him. You know, when you start talking about God, they want to talk and keep moving. You know, won't have anything to say because they don't set him apart and make him holy. They don't understand how to do that. Proverbs 2, I'll tell you, respect for God is going to come back in a big way. All this casualness about God and, you know, this, it's going to be replaced with a a deep respect for God. We'll start preaching that again because there's nothing else left to preach on the carnal side. We preached it all, folks. I mean, really. Proverbs 2 verse 1, my son, if you will receive my words and hide my commandments with you, Amen. just don't just gloss over it, but receive and hide my commandments within you. Certain things you do, certain things you don't do when you serve God. So that you incline your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding. Yes, if you cry after knowledge. And lift up your voice for understanding. These are things we should be seeking God for and desiring. When it says cry for them, that means they're very important to you to get understanding. If you seek her as silver and search for her as hid treasures. It's an attitude thing. See, This is an attitude, not a casual attitude. 
but an attitude boy this wisdom from god this is better than money this wisdom from god this is precious this is important it's important for me to understand these things and to hold on to them this is the proper attitude he says then shall you understand the fear of the lord and find the knowledge of god it's an attitude thing he's not going to give more to somebody who doesn't respect and honor what they've thus been given. If you're not operating in the word that he's given you thus far and respecting that, you're not going to get wisdom as a trophy. You're going to get it as something that you desire to use so that you can live a more godly life. There's a purpose for everything in God. And he knows the heart that's given over to him. He knows the heart that really is wanting it for the right reason. He knows the heart that's asking sincerely. That's why he says cry for it. When you cry for something, he knows you want it bad. And it's not so much in trying to impress him with how much you want it, but oftentimes it's because you're serving God and you're involved in doing things for God that you need more. You need more. You need more of God's wisdom so you can help the people you're praying for. So that you'll get direction in your prayer, know how to pray more effectively, all that kind of stuff. That's what he means to cry out for it. And then you'll understand the fear of the Lord. You'll understand it because it's it's something that's given to you. Many times people are, if you don't pick this up in your your um walk with God or your your dealings with God if it's taught in such a way that that heart of respect and love isn't cultivated then people can go on and make really stupid and major mistakes in their their life with God one thing I was listening to um, uh, somebody talking about uh, uh, Sam Kennison the late Sam Kennison who was uh, we know was a preacher at one time and all this. Well, you could see a lot from his jokes and stuff. He was never taught the fear of the Lord. He was too casual. And to me, that was more his problem than anything else. In fact, a lot of people who backslide are missing that element. They're missing it because they don't understand that they can't go on forever in a casual way about God. And they can't go on forever uh, just taking that for granted and not understanding that God does have the power to put them in hell if he so desires. You got me? Because you you have to be judged by him. You can't say, I I do this. I'm a Christian. I've been to church. I just enlist your credits and think that's okay with God. See, that in itself takes him 100% out of it. You know, a lot of these uh, entertainers now who are trying to say they're Christians. See, this is a big thing now where the church is challenging their their validity. See, not not really confronting them head on just in the way that the church operates in holiness and being set apart, not getting involved in certain things that puts conviction see when you live by faith and you live by faith in God's word and you live holy before God and before man then people who are looking on who claim to have the same claim that you have see they'll be convicted in their hearts about it 
And these people go to great lengths to prove that they're just as much a Christian as the next person. Well, you may win the argument, but you'll lose your soul to hell if you don't take that before God. See, there's a, a, a fear of God that has to play into this that's missing. All they're trying to do is convince man that they're just as good as they are, so to speak. And so if your Christianity is on that level, I doubt how valid it is myself. See? Because it's never a question. It's never a question between me and you. It's a question between whether or not you have come up to God's standards. See? When you're changed in your heart, you're not interested in being popular or being a celebrity. or be, You're not interested anymore. You got me? Your interest changes. Now, whether it's right for you to still do your comedy or be an actor, or whatever, I can't tell you if it's right or not. But I can tell you your interest changes when you belong to God. You're interested in preaching the gospel. Who have you led to Christ? Who have you won to the Lord? Who have you, you know, you understand what I'm saying? Do you have the fear of God on the inside of you? And I can tell you, it's not it's not a, a an ordinary thing to find people who really, really reverence God. You'll find a lot of people who look at man's evaluation for their validity. Not always arguing with people. It's what the heathen do. Oprah Winfrey wants to ask every preacher she can get in front of her what about homosexuality. It's the same question over and over and over again. huh? The same one over and over and over again. Well, if she were really interested in what God thought, she'd get the Bible and read it for herself. Would she care what Joel Osteen or anybody else says about homosexuality? And if she really got homosexual friends, she cares about their eternal soul, she need to find out for them and tell them the truth, you see. And so a lot of this anti-antagonism about arguing back and forth with people, it's religion. It's just religious spirits bickering with one another. And then they blame the Christian. The real Christian's not even in the conversation. So. Then they convince Christians that we don't like homosexuals. You got me? And try to make us guilty. When any person that's homosexual I've ever met, I've treated them the same as I have anybody else with a sin problem and told them about the Lord. You know, and do you want to receive Christ? Well, you know, God, this is sin. He sees it as sin. I know you think it's okay, but I got news for you. You and I don't have a heaven to put anybody in, but he does. And so we have to understand when it when it comes to respect and reverence for God, all the way down the line, you've got to respect his word. Every word that comes out of his mouth is to be obeyed, to be respected and obeyed. So when you understand the fear of the Lord, you'll cry out for understanding. You'll cry out for knowledge. You'll need wisdom. Why? Because that's your lifeline. That's how you help people. You don't help them with a bunch of religious rules and regulations. You can't do this. You can do this. You can't do this. You can't do that. You know, a lot of these people who are entertainers want to find a minister to vouch for them. They'll go and plop in somebody's church to see if they can get a preacher to co-sign it. You got me? If 
if if you're a wise minister, see, if you're crying for wisdom, you have the fear of God, you'll let those people remain anonymous until God tells you to get up and start talking. You got me? But over and over again, they all take the bait. Get up on television, want to tell everybody how they've changed their walk with God. and We have discussions. And, well, <laughs> Sister Susie's in your church, too, and she's a single mother with seven kids, and you won't even talk to her. So you've indicted yourself already. You got me? Some people can get your attention, and you can vouch for them, and others can't. It's not the pastor's job to vouch for anybody's soul. He barely hanging on to his own salvation. So if you fear the Lord, you'll let those people be who they are. They don't need you co-signing them. What for? What are you getting out of it? Well, we won't go there, okay? Mm-hmm. But you know, all of it's got a. There's a lack of fear of God in this stuff, folks. It, it's it's unsettling. I'll put it that way. It's disturbing to me. It's very disturbing. There have been many people who have been celebrities that have come to people's church and they just come. You know, part of the congregation. You know, if they're there for the right reason, they don't want to stand out. They don't want to be known. Okay. Many years there have been people that have been parts of people's churches you didn't know until after many, many years that they went there faithfully for years. Nobody paid any attention to them. They weren't somebody important they just went there so they could worship God and that's that's where it was those are probably the most successful converts because they're there for the right thing they get treated the same as everybody else always so it's a good thing folks to to understand the fear of the Lord and how to manage yourself when you when you fear God he comes first what he thinks matters more than what your public thinks, what a celebrity in your congregation thinks. Everything focuses and hinges on what God thinks about what you do. And get your direction from God in what you do. Let him be glorified. Let him be honored and seek him. Cry out for his wisdom because you need it so desperately. Can't make good plans without God's thoughts involved in it he knows the end at the beginning you see from the beginning when you start he knows how it's going to end up and that's the best best guidance you can ever have is somebody that knows every step and can guide you in that Uh, so we don't we don't have it all We, we want to but we don't have it all But God will give us as much as we need to live. Amen. Why don't we stop now. Father in heaven, we thank you for giving us understanding and knowledge and wisdom in your ways. And Lord, I thank you that your fear is returning to the church. It's returning to the church, Lord. That people will start to look at you first, understand you, love you, respect you. And worship you in spirit and in truth according to your word. What's right to do before you. And put that uppermost in our thinking and in our doing. So we thank you for the wisdom to know how to do that, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Amen, amen, amen. If anybody needs prayer.